0: In considering these martyrs over the past several months, the question often comes to mind um, Would I act in the same way as these men and women did when confronted with denying their faith or following, whether it's the Catholics or the Protestants, someone that wanted you to believe something else, wanted you to recant? Would I recant? In pain, Pain is a very effective tool. We use it in, in child training, but when you are undergoing some of the worst pain uh, that you can hardly imagine, whether it's mental, emotional, and physical, it oftentimes can cause you to consider: maybe I should, maybe I should give up. Maybe I don't really believe that. Maybe that's not really my God. And with some of these martyrs, that happened. That took place. They recanted. This man I'm going to read to you this morning about, he did just that. He recanted after some excruciating tortures and being chased from place to place, hunted like a wild animal. He recanted. He said, I don't believe those things that I stood for. I take it all back. We should should consider ourselves how... In the day of trouble, where is our help? Right, right. And do we really believe what we believe? And does it really mean that much to us? Now, this man recanted, but then he also repented, Amen. and the Lord gave him grace. Amen. And so I want to give you both sides of the story, but let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, his name is Balthazar Humeyer, and uh, he was a, a Swiss uh, Roman Catholic, turned Protestant and then turned Baptist. He was born in Bavaria around the around the year 1480. He was a very successful um, theologian and preacher in the uh, Catholic churches. Many of the cathedrals would have him come to just preach. The priest and the others they would just perform the rituals, but let this man preach. He was very effective to the point that even Zwingli, who was the uh, Reformation leader in Switzerland, knew well about him. Over time, though. Uh, he became to Humer, Balthazar Humer, came to embrace Luther's views, and that was around 1522. And then after leaving the Catholic Church, because he could no longer stay there, he didn't believe the things that the Catholics believed, he started following Zwingli and began full communication with Zwingli. Remember, Zwingli was a, uh, a powerful church father at, at this time. So Zwingli, Zwingli and him communicate, communicated a lot, and Zwingli fully converted him to the Protestant faith. And Homeyeer uh, began to then preach in many, many towns, and turned many people from Roman Catholicism to Protestantism. But there's a quote here by him that he discovered that the Reformation in Zurich had not gone all the way back to the apostolic model. Amen. Amen. He began to see in Scripture that we've reformed something bad, but we haven't really reformed anything, and we have not gone back to the apostles. Right. Amen. And so what he did is he brought these newfound uh, these thoughts and, and these observations before Zwingli and some of the other church fathers, who at first saw his consistency, but they rejected him and said, no, 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 none of that. So they at first did not persecute him. Nothing happened. What he did is he left the Protestant church and then found his way to Baptist principles. And it was a gradual and uh, over time conviction and conversion that he had. But over time, he found his way fully to the Baptist faith. Amen. Amen. He preached open air to, many, to multitudes of people in, in Switzerland. He traveled throughout Switzerland um, as, as a somewhat Baptist preacher, preaching to the Protestants now about baptism. Amen. And he caused a lot of hurt, a lot of anxiety among among the Protestants. So he ended up in Zurich with the Baptists there. At that point he was arrested and cast into prison by what is known as the Inquisition of Zurich, where he lay for 4 months appealing to his old friends, to the emperor, to the confederation of the council, but all in vain. For 4 months he lay in prison where his health was broken. His wife also was put in prison, and he lay in a dungeon with more than twenty others, where, as he said, no light of sun or moon penetrated. Uh, Bread and water were the only nourishment, and those could not be eaten for days at a time, because the stench was so bad, because there was dead bodies in there among the living bodies. His health was broken at this time. The uh, Zurich Inquisition then began to come in full force to try to convert him back to Protestantism. And they tried everything they could. And they were successful. They were successful in whatever way you want to think about it, whether it's just the pain that caused him to recant or he maybe truly recanted for a time. But either way, um, after he stayed in prison for four months in those conditions, they put him to the rack, Zwingli personally being there, put him to the rack where they got a confession from him that he did not believe um, the things that the Baptist, that he learned from the Baptists, especially um, him denying infant baptism. Amen. So says, Zwingli and the church fathers did this. They visited him in prison. They put him to the rack, and he was compelled to recant. And he will tell you, his writings right here, Who, Mary, he says, I recanted. Over time... As they try, as they got this recantation from him, they decided that they, if they wanted a full confession from Hubmayr that he was no longer a Baptist, they would put him up in, in their church and let him give a public recantation. And so they did. The people were all summer, So this is, this is in Zurich. They were all summoned to the great cathedral. They're going to have a church service, and they were going to relish a a full confession from a Baptist who said, "I'm not a Baptist any longer. I'm a Protestant." And they were greatly looking forward to it because the Baptists in Zurich at this time were giving the Protestants a lot of grief. Many, many Baptists were, were being, uh, many Protestants were being converted to baptism. And they knew if that this powerful preacher would recant, then possibly and probably many other Baptists would as well. And it would, it would break the, the power of the Baptists. And so they all come, they all come to this cathedral and Zwingli preaches first. Zwingli preached a great sermon on Christian steadfastness, which may not have helped him. <laughs> he, he preached long and hard, and he preached long and hard against the Baptists and especially the Anabaptists. They hated, Zwingli hated it when people rebaptized those that had already been baptized in the Protestant or Catholic faith. They hated it. And then it's Humayre's turn so everyone was there, all eyes now turned eagerly to the broken frame of the meek Baptist as he climbed the pulpit. He began to read his recantation in a broken, weak, and quivering voice until his heart choked with utterance, and he broke down. He swayed to and fro before his audience like a like a bruised reed shaken by the wind, when suddenly the unseen hand of God was put forth to bind him up, and raising himself up to his full height, he filled the sanctuary with a shout, "'Infant baptism is not of God, and men must be baptized by faith in Christ.'" This caused quite an uproar. Some were seized with horror, some shouted with applause, till the roof of the cathedral rang with the noise, Zwingli screaming above the rest. The inquisitors were in a Paedobaptist panic, <laughs> and the scene closed by dragging Humair from the pulpit, hustling him through that multitude, and throwing him back into his dungeon. And this is what I really want for us this morning. When, in, when once more in his cell, he rewrote his faith in Christ, and this is how he closed. And we should always be mindful that, just like great men in the Bible and Great men in this church, you can sin, you can leave the Lord, you can recant from true doctrine, but when you have repented, the Lord can visit you with his spirit, he can restore fellowship with you, and you can go on being a great and mighty warrior for him as this man was. Here's, Here's his closing words. O immortal God, this is my faith. I confess it with heart and mouth and have testified it publicly before the church In baptism, I faithfully pray thee, graciously keep me in it until my end, and should I be forced from it, as he was, should I be forced from it out of mortal fear and timidity, by tyranny, torture, sword, fire, or water, I now appeal to thee, O my compassionate Father, raise me up again by thy grace of thy Holy Spirit, and suffer me not to depart without this faith." This I pray thee from the bottom of my my heart, through Jesus Christ, thy most beloved Son, our Lord and Savior, Father, in thee do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. The Lord be praised.
1: Amen. Amen. James chapter 4. Thank you, young brother, for sharing about the murder at the hands of Martin Zwingli. Zwingli is a Presbyterian and considered a hero of the faith by many ignorant Baptists, and it's a shame that they haven't done any study of history to find out that Zwingli did persecute and kill, drown, and otherwise torture Baptists. He had the city of Zurich. John Kelvin had the city of Geneva. The two of them had their little city church states set up. John Kelvin murdered Michael Servetus, and Martin Zwingli took out a number of other Baptists as you heard about one today. It's important for us to remember these distinctions. Some of the early settlers that came to America came here for religious freedom. And once they arrived here, and then others came behind them and wanted to establish state churches, those settlers themselves were persecuted by churches here in the United States. Remember the stories I've told you about William Screven in Maine, Kittery, Maine, and being persecuted and put in prison, fined for preaching against infant baptism because the state church of Maine was the congregational church, the church of Jonathan Edwards. And I remember it every single time I used Jonathan Edwards' name, though I will appeal to him from time to time for the good things that he did right. But uh, he was in great error, and his church was in great error in a number of key points, one of them being the baptism that you just heard about. You know, the right worldview, and it depends on how every man formats it for his family or for his church, and as to what breadth and depth he'll take it, but the, the, the right worldview has got to include measures of denominationalism, right. or it's not defined enough to be of much value. Right. And we are Baptists. Amen. And the man that you heard about from our young brother today, who gave his life for the doctrine of baptism believed in celebrating Easter every day. Do you understand me? Yep. Yep. A Baptist celebrates Easter all the time when they have a baptism. Right. Because baptism is how the Lord wants to be, have his resurrection remembered. Right. Right. The Lord Jesus Christ of glory hates the world's Easter. And the Lord Jesus Christ hates Christianity's Easter Easter. Nowhere is it taught in the Bible. The ridiculous stuff they do. The sunrise services. There was only one sunrise service in the Bible. It's in Ezekiel chapter 8, and God calls it a great abomination. A terrible abomination. When 25 men put their backs to the temple of God and face the east, and when you face the east, in the morning, what's happening? It's a sunrise. Easter egg hunts. And all other kinds of activities that they mingle with their perverted three days and three nights, which they they have on Friday afternoon to Sunday morning, which is only one day and two nights, they corrupt everything the Bible says. He never wanted to be remembered by any of that stuff. He never wanted an Easter Sunday. He never wanted an Easter sermon. He never wanted anything like that. He didn't never wanted Easter songs. Any song we sing about Jesus Christ should be sung year-round because it applies to truth about Jesus Christ that is true year-round. And baptism is how he wants the resurrection remembered. Romans chapter 6 says that baptism shows a resurrection to walk in newness of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that baptism shows a baptism for the dead and the hope of the resurrection. Colossians chapter 3 says that we are raised with Christ by baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 tells us that baptism is the answer of a good conscience by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, those false churches, like the Roman Catholics or the Presbyterians, Anglicans, Methodists, or Lutherans, by sprinkling babies, do not have a picture of a burial and a resurrection. That's why we're Baptists. We're not Baptists because of any denomination, We don't belong to any denomination, and we don't care about Baptist denominations for the most part. We are Baptists by conviction by the word of God that John was called a Baptist for dipping in the Jordan River. And Jesus was a Baptist by being baptized by a Baptist preacher, and so we're Baptists in that sense of the word, and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every time we have a baptism. Amen. And we just had one a couple of weeks ago. Right. And there was indeed a burial and a resurrection in the way the Bible describes. These things must be made clear to your children. It doesn't matter that people say they love Jesus. There is another Jesus in the world. Second Corinthians 11 verses 1 through 4 tell us there is another Jesus. So the word Jesus doesn't mean anything. There is another gospel. The word gospel doesn't mean anything. And there is another spirit. The word spirit doesn't mean anything. We need to see true doctrine and true practice. And then we can endorse, support, pray for, and help someone. And agree with them. But otherwise, our worldview needs to stick to the Bible.